Joining me is Megan Klingenberg of the Houston Dash and oh yeah, World Cup champion Megan Klingenberg from Team USA. What a crazy last month it's been for you. Describe kind of what all's been going on. How many cities do you think you've been just since uh, the World Cup ended? Honestly, no, there I can't count. There's no way that I can keep track, but it's been quite the whirlwind and it's been absolutely wild, but it has been just a blast. And I know that it's great because we get this platform that we get to have and prop up our sport and show how great the women's game is and how great women's sports are in general. So it's been really a, a fun, a fun month, but incredibly busy. One of the things I want to talk to you about before we get back to the World Cup is what is it like to be in a ticker tape parade in New York City? Describe what that was like and your memories from that day. Oh man, it was almost as cool as winning. It was really, really something because there was close to a million people there and they were all cheering for us and uh, excited about the USA bringing home the World Cup trophy. And it was just something that I have never been a part of and uh, very, very, very special. And then the ESPYs, you did that in the same week. Uh, what was what was that like uh, to, to meet the, some of the best athletes, I assume? Was there anybody in particular that you were really excited to meet or is really neat to, to finally get a chance to, to talk to them? Well, anytime you get to meet people that are at the pinnacle of their profession, it's incredibly special because you get to talk to them and pick their brains about what they did to get there or, you know, kind of their training regimen, different things like that. So that, to me, that was extremely interesting, being able to meet some athletes and kind of hang out with my my teammates also. And, and I got to bring my brother as my date. He's a wonderful date, by the way, just a great kid. It was just an absolute blast. You won the World Cup. There had to be somebody that you heard from that you weren't expecting to hear from through Twitter or maybe you got a text or something like that. Was there anybody that you were surprised that uh, you were getting a congratulations from? Not necessarily a congratulations, but during the World Cup, Michael Keaton, the like the Batman in my mind, uh, <laughs> sent a tweet because he's from Pittsburgh as well. And so he sent a tweet saying good luck. And so that was really, really cool. I kept telling everybody Batman was tweeting me. I want to go back to the World Cup a little bit. And when do you know that you've got the World Cup? I mean, it was a bizarre game because all of a sudden you're, you're up 3 4 nothing, and what's going on? Was there a moment towards the end of the game where you thought, this is it, I, I think we just won the World Cup? No, honestly, not till the whistle blew. Because I've played in games where it's been absolutely wild and you never know what's going to happen in a soccer game. A lot of times they're low scoring and they can be predictable, but no, not in a World Cup final. You can't take anything for granted. So I didn't know we won until the whistle blew, absolutely. What does that moment feel like when you realize you, were, you won the World Cup? It's hard to explain. It's a It's a mix of emotions because my family's there and they have been with me through thick and thin and so being able for the it, it was their dream as well so when they're there and able to experience you know my dream coming true and their dream coming true it's incredible you get to I mean you feel relief because the whistle blew you feel excitement you feel pride for your country honor so there's all these different things you can't necessarily put your finger on it the moment I think everybody will remember from United States was the goal by Carly from midfield. That's unusual, I would assume. Have you ever seen anything like that? Have you ever been in a game where that's happened? No, I mean, I've seen that during games on TV. I've seen that during highlights, whatever, but I've never been a part of something like that. And when she scored, it was, 
you know, one of the one of the best goals I've ever seen. And Carly, amazing throughout the tournament, and then she comes back with the Houston Dash, and she's player of the. I mean, she's been unbelievable. What is so great about her? What makes her so special? I think Carly, you know, absolutely can take a game and change it with no one else helping her, and that's always been her best attribute. And you can see that during the World Cup, she's able to take people on and kind of change the course of the game just by herself. Is she playing the best she's ever played? Is this the best Carly Lloyd that we've ever seen right now? I mean, it seems like there doesn't a game doesn't go by where she doesn't score a goal. Well, I sure hope she keeps scoring. Well, let me go back. I want to talk a little bit about your past. And people don't know, you were the last cut, I believe, on the Olympic team in 2012. You've talked a little bit about that. I know the experience of being right there, you're that close. They didn't let you on the bench, so you were watching from the stands. Tell me a little bit about what that experience was like and to come back from that and to, to make this World Cup team and for all of this to now happen to you. Sitting in the stands watching your team win an Olympic gold medal is a big kick in the butt. <laughs> it's something that I never want to do again. I was so proud of them and I was very happy for them because I've seen how hard they worked, but I also knew how hard I worked. I was there every step of the way with them. And it was great to be able to support them in their goal, and I'm so happy for them. But that's something I wanted to be a part of. And that wasn't something that I was going to let slip through my fingers ever again. I think of the movie Miracle, and, and of course, based on the, the true story, Herb Brooks was the last cut from the 1960 Olympics. He comes back uh, as a coach and wins the great Miracle on Ice. And was that a story that you, you knew, or was there an inspiration for you as you were going through all of that and something that maybe were, was pushing you as uh, you were trying to make the U.S. team for the World Cup? Of course I know the Miracle story. I don't think many people uh, don't know that story, but I wanted to make my own story. And I don't really focus on any other athletes or what they're up to or what they're doing, I guess, unless I'm trying to figure out better ways to train or better ways to um, do something in my sport. I, I focus on me and what I'm doing and, and my potential because I don't think you can compare yourself as an athlete to anyone else because you have your own story, you have your own talents, you have your own strengths, and you have to be able to use those um, to the best of your ability that will help your team, that will help you get on the field. And... Uh, listening to other people's stories has never really been uh, something that's high on my priority list because I've always wanted to make my own and write my own. Yeah, well, you have done that. And as a defender, you went something about, like a, it seems like three months, but it was uh, a lot of minutes where you guys did not give up a goal in the World Cup. Is that something I think you look back on? Was that something you'll be most proud of from all of that? Yeah, not letting up a goal for however many minutes it is or was makes me extremely proud of my teammates, of my uh, coaches, of our style of play, because we worked on that. That's something that has been a priority, high on the priority list since last summer. So being able to work that on that and actually getting the results that we wanted was something that made me incredibly proud, and I was just so happy for my teammates because I knew how hard they ha had worked and, and the amount of effort that they put in to make it as hard as possible to score on us. Now you're with, back with the Dash. You guys have a chance to be a playoff team in just your second season. Tell me how good is this team and how difficult is it to kind of readjust your focus from the World Cup and back here. And, of course, you would had to do it before when you came, went from the Dash to the World Cup team. Obviously, the World Cup is something incredibly special. It doesn't come around every once in a while. It comes around every four years, and it's the pinnacle of the game. And so playing for that is more about performance. It's more about being effective in the moment and making sure you're at your absolute best. But 
here it's more about development. It's about getting better as a team. It's about getting better individually. And so it's more about a mind mindset shift. And so for me, that's what I'm thinking about is making sure that I'm getting better, making sure that our team's getting better. And so we can make a good push for the playoffs. And, and uh, because if you're playing against the best teams in the league, that's good competition and you're going to get better. So to me, it's, it's just a mindset shift. And so uh, that's kind of where I'm at right there. When you grew up, you're not the biggest person in the world, not the tallest person in the world. How do you get to the point where you think I can be one of the best athletes in my sport? I mean, I was I, when I was in seventh grade, I was called Smurf and, and by the basketball coach that I, on the team that I was played on. So I know what it's like to be the short guy. And, and I just looked at it and said, well, maybe sports isn't my thing if the coach is calling me Smurf. So how do you get to that point where you go, hey, I'm small. I'm not that big. I can still be one of the best in the world at this thing. Actually, Anson Dorrance, my coach at UNC, called me Hobbit. So, uh, but quite frankly, I don't really understand why anybody ever doubted me because of my height. That has never been an issue in my mind. That's never been something that's ever held me back because I've always been able to find ways to rely on my strengths as opposed to my weaknesses. And quite frankly, I don't even think it's a weakness anyways. It's just something that is. And it's not something that I can change, so it's just... I've never focused on it. So being able to, you know, rely on my strengths as opposed to relying on my height is something that I've always done and I'll continue to do. You're still staying with Jeff Van Gundy. Can you believe what a big deal that turned out to be? We covered Jeff uh, with the Rockets and, you know, he's kind of was a little bit grumpy as a coach. Uh, what, what, what is Jeff like to be around on a daily basis? Yeah, he's definitely not grumpy. Um, I guess ask maybe his teenage daughter and she would say something different. But, no, he's great. Uh, I love being around their family. They're really um, incredible people and super down to earth. And you would never think that they are, you know, a famous family. So, Is it hard for him you think to not give you coaching advice? Does he give you a coaching? Did he say anything before you went to the, to uh, compete in the World Cup? He said, uh, "Winner don't come back." <laughs> but no, uh, yeah, he is. He honestly is a really great coach in the sense because he understands what the players need, and I can see that through the way he interacts with me and Morgan. He's not going to give unsolicited advice, but if we need advice, he'll absolutely sit down and talk with us. Last thing, I know there's a lot of girls out there that are just now starting to look up to you and they come up to you and they want to ask you questions, what would you want to get across to the little girl that's uh, wanting to play sports, she's wanting to excel, what would you want to tell her to make her believe the way that you believe? Honestly, what I my biggest piece of advice for, for kids that are doing anything, playing sports, wanting to be president, wanting to cut hair, whatever they want to do, being a teacher is to be the best that you can in everything that you do because no matter what, then you can be proud. If, even if you're not world-class, even if you're not Leo Messi, even if you're not on the U.S. women's national team, you can still be proud because you reached your personal excellence. Well, that's a member of the World Cup champion Team USA, uh, Megan Klingenberg. Thanks so much for joining Thanks. us. Thanks for the time. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Houston Sports Talk and make sure to check out our show Tuesdays at 9 p.m. and Wednesdays at 8 a.m. on Cabrie Sports. 106.1 FM. You can download Houston Sports Talk on iTunes or with our brand new free Houston Sports Talk app for Android users.